How are you? Well, I think we are the underdogs in most of these games these days. Have you seen our form at the moment? I heard a joke that at Brigley3 sent me on Twitter saying United are planning to change their name to Port Talbot because they're sitting between Cardiff and Swansea. One for all you Welsh geography fans there. Oh, niche. There's another way of looking at this. David Moyes has spent 10 years trying to make Everton better than United. He's finally managed it. Yeah, it's, uh, it is quite, it was funny watching Everton on Monday night. I was sort of watching it, chuckling to myself about how, and it's very early days, this is not Moyes out, just saying, David Moyes has managed to completely ruin us in the space of a month, and Martinez has managed to take his clod-hopping Everton side and turn them into a tiki-taka, Barcelona-esque masters. It's funny, I mean, it's just a brilliant case study in how much a manager matters. Ferguson's been in the press a lot this week, uh, unfortunately spending a lot of time praising the Glazers, you know. He's still on the Glazer coin, so I suppose we can expect it. Uh, He used to say that the manager was the most important man in the club, and you kind of get the feeling that he's probably right about that. The case study in how United are playing and how Everton are playing now uh, is uh, is a a very uh, pointed one. Yeah, absolutely. Incredibly early days uh, for both of those sides. Some people were having a discussion on Twitter with somebody who was talking about uh, how, well, you know, Everton have got better players than they did have last season. I'm like, well, mm, that's because they had a different manager in the in the transfer window overseeing the transfers in and out of the club. So don't think you can ignore Moyes' culpability in that too. It's going to be a pretty heavy on the David Moyes is not doing a particularly good job of being Manchester United manager yet show this week. But I think that's only appropriate given the results. None of this is about knee-jerk reactions to his long-term future. This is all just about this is what's going on at the moment and this is what we think about it. So, Ed, what do you think about the uh, game against West Brom? I think McCarthy and Barkley in the Everton midfield are way better than Fellaini and Carrick. No, sorry. I, I, I just couldn't... I had to get that one out. Barkley, can we send Fellaini back with a credit note and just swap them or something? We might have to have put a bit of cash in there as well. Against West Brom, of course, it wasn't even Fellaini and Carrick. It was the indefatigable Anderson and Carrick partnership. It's been so effective so many times for Man United. Yeah. Anderson, still waiting, aren't we, for him to have his year? Will it be this year? No, the thing is, you know it's Anderson's time is up when even his most ardent supporters are no longer saying it could be his this year. It's because they've finally forgotten the two good games he had against Arsenal in, you know, 1987. Yeah, a very, very peculiar team selection. The one thing that I think is probably... Which which game are we talking about here? The Shakhtar (laughs) game or the West Brom game? No, the West Brom game. I think there's a lot of logic in the Shakhtar selection, but the West Brom selection was a manager who is not used to very heavy squad rotation, practising his very heavy squad rotation. Too many changes, too much trust in the squad players sort of thing. I think the particularly odd decision was to play uh, Bootner again. Because Bootner did not have a terrible game against Liverpool, but he was very culpable defensively quite a few times. And if there's anyone you bring back when you're playing your very fu- your full-strength squad, it's Evra, right? Well, quite, yes. He's clearly made a decision to give Evra more rests than is normal, and that's fair enough. Evra is now 32, and Moyes... Uh, is not fully confident in Everett either, clearly, because he bid for Baines and Cohen Trow in the summer. So you can understand, but Bootner is of such poor quality defensively that it's going to cost United, you know? He's just a bizarre player. He's clearly not a left-back, right? He's a kind of middling winger happening to be playing for United in the Premier League uh, in a crucial game against a decent side. So, you know, hey, 
It's slightly odd. You asked at the top of that section about uh, what did I think about the West Brom game, and I, I haven't quite answered that one. Uh, it was terrible, and it was terrible mostly because United defended in the most shocking fashion, and it's just all wrong. It's all wrong. Um, the fullbacks uh, were all in the wrong place. The centre two in midfield weren't covering them in the in the way they should. Uh, the the central defenders had a nightmare. Poor old Rio. You know, if he was a horse, you'd shoot him. Um, so it just wasn't good as a whole unit defensively and United couldn't do enough going forward to make up for it. What do you make of the Rio situation in general, Ed? He had such a good season last year. Defensively, he was very, very sound. He played a lot of games. He didn't get a lot of injuries. Uh, they rested him at the right time. But he played in the opening, what, six games of the season? And, and it was clearly too much for him and it, it seems to have taken its toll in the last two games. He didn't play against Shakhtar, uh, at no point was he going to, although apparently he has a little bit of a groin problem as well. I wondered whether it was his pride, uh, given the roasting he's had in two Premier League games in a row. I hope that this is not the beginning of the end, although of course logically, him being 34 and 35 this season, it, it is the beginning of the end. Well, it's sort of not even the beginning of the end, really, is it? It's like the middle of the end, because at the beginning of last season he was really struggling, then he came back excellently. But that, that initial struggle was part of the decline process, you know. Um, the physical decline has long since set in, although he's also an incredible sort of physical specimen. But in terms of pace and the energy of youth, that's gone. The problem is he's now seems to be having real concentration issues again. And he was pretty dreadful against West Brom. I mentioned Butner early in that game, but it's kind of unfair to single him out. It was just, in a way, that the selection of him and Anderson were the two strangest things about the team selection. None of the experienced players did their job properly in that game, did they? No, Michael Carrick had a shocker too. Yeah. I mean, honestly, a real shocker. And that's a couple in a row for him as well. So it was really poor all round. I thought a bad, bad day at the office for, for Moyes with some strange selection. Uh, a bad, bad day for many of United's players uh, again. Even odd half-time substitutions, you know, pulled off Shinji Kagawa. Uh, everyone likes to see Janazai at the moment, of course, because he's, you know, he's exciting and he adds a lot. He's clearly going to be a top player, but it was kind of odd to pick Kagawa out of position and haul him off at half-time. And nothing, nothing worked for United at all. I mean, I think it's beyond odd, actually. And I have to say the way Moyes is handling Kagawa is the thing I'm enjoying least about the Moyes regime. And as I said before, this is not about suddenly believing Shinji to be Diego Maradona or anything. This is about the fact that you, if a team was built around that guy, it would be a beautiful team to watch. His cross for Anderson in that first half, shame, shame that the second part of that is for Anderson, when Anderson crossed against the bar and then launched one into row double Z off the rebound. But that cross from Kagawa was absolutely perfect. It was, without exaggeration, one of the most aesthetically pleasing crosses I've ever seen in my life. And to take a player off at half-time who's really struggling for confidence, and we're really struggling in the game, and you bring on Adnan, and I just think if you'd made that substitution after 65 minutes, it would have had the same effect, except without all that the detriment that goes with it. And then that was followed up by the Shakhtar game, I was kind of dreading it seeing the team sheet. It looked like Fellaini might be playing as a second striker, but he actually wasn't until the second half. But still not a whiff of Shinji playing at number 10. And that's it, right? It's just not going to happen. Moyes is just not going to incorporate Kagawa in a serious way into this side and he'll be off soon, right? That's what's happening. Yes, uh, for sure. Look, Moyes will not play him at number 10. 
He won't. He could have played him at number 10 against Shakhtar and didn't. He simply won't. Kagawa will be competing with, you know, three or four other players for a position in a in a wide role and it's not going to suit him. We're not going to get the best out of him and I would think next summer he'll head back to the Bundesliga where he's respected. Uh, and it's a real shame because we're not going to get enough out of this player who's got bags and bags of talent. Not in highest echelons of the world game yet, but you, you wonder whether if he'd been playing every week in the role that he should be playing in whether he'd grow uh, we'll never find out I don't think I just don't think Moyes rates or trusts him if he did he'd give him the opportunity in the correct position and he won't yeah and it's really just unfortunate and the whole thing has just got a kind of bad taste apart from the playing Adnan which is kind of exciting the rest of of the way Moyes is making United play is just not any fun and you know, so be it. This is where we're at now. I, I suspect it's not going to be where we're at for the long term with Moyes because, well, because if he keeps if he keeps just being conservative all the time, he isn't going to last. You know, and I'm not talking about uh, this season or next season, but the season after that. If we're if he hasn't got us being some sort of uber functional, relentless winning machine type of side, then. If he's playing boring football and not getting results, I mean, you know, this is speculation for the long term, but, you know. Look, I know what you're saying, of course. You know, if he's, uh, if United are playing boring football uh, in a Jose Mourinho style, boring football, uh, and a machine that's rolling uh, sides over and and United winning all the time, I don't think anyone's going to fuss. You know, it's a shame because I'm the kind of fan who really wants to see United playing in the United way, attacking, creative, exciting football. It doesn't mean that that's some, you know, a copy of Tiki Taka or a copy of Barcelona's model or a copy of Bayern Munich's model now, a copy of the Borussia model in in the United way playing lots of attacking players and playing creative football. That's that's kind of what I've grown up on. You know, I'm old enough that I remember when United weren't very good, but for the last 20 odd years, we've had loads of fantastic attacking sides. Not at the moment. And Moyes likes his teams to play quite functionally. He likes them to play from back to front. It's a shame how many hit and hope balls that United are playing out of central defence at the moment. There's not much movement. They are very static uh, through midfield. And, you know, we talked at the top of this show about how the manager impacts on the style that a team plays. Clearly he does. And uh, and he has. Uh, And, you know, that was kind of shown in his major purchase this summer. Uh, I'm afraid uh, this is is it. We're not suddenly going to be playing great football. The best we can hope is that he pulls it together and United start playing very good functional football, as you say. I tell you who I've been feeling a bit sorry for. It's kind of ridiculous to feel sorry for multi-millionaire footballers with a blissful, joyous family life and, you know, all that. But uh, the player that I'm looking at and, and thinking oh well, this is not what he signed up for is Robin his body language is definitely not right definitely I, I you know I don't know much about football but I know a lot about body language and there is well he's probably thinking how many goals would he score if Mesut Ozil was playing just behind him <laughs> yeah. sorry sorry to say but I can say this because I have a track record of saying what a fantastic player this guy was and I was clearly very disappointed when United didn't pull the stops out to sign him three years ago and we talked just after the transfer window closed about how one player can be a catalyst and we don't know how Arsenal's season will finish but he has been a catalyst for sure he's getting everyone around him to play another couple of levels above themselves yeah absolutely as Robin did when he arrived at United but you know he just he didn't sign up for David Moyes football you know he came to play for Fergie and got one season and obviously like he loved it and it, it was a fulfillment of a lifelong dream 
I think, you know, you said, I think it was last week you said that the only way that Moyes can go this season is if he totally loses the dressing room. And obviously we're not speculating that he's totally lost the dressing room because that would be so super far-fetched. But I think there are some things that he's doing which are, you know, this isn't a knee-jerk re- response. This is a considered response to the situation. I think he's taking risks with his relationship with those players through both his style and more specifically what he's saying in the press. Because I, I think he's playing a, a really dangerous game and I... <laughs> <laughs> I sent you an email this week saying that I thought the piece that you wrote about Moises PR was the best thing you'd written for ages. And you sent me one back going, oh, normally you're a rubbish writer, but this one's all right. But that's not what I meant at all. I think that's a really excellent piece. And for those of you who've not read it, I wonder if you could just sum up a little bit about what you're thinking about that stuff. Yeah, so um, I headlined it, Moyes Gaff Pro Neuro Trash. And, and it really it was sparked from three interviews he's done recently. One being about the Champions League, and he said to win the Champions League, you need five or six world-class players, and we don't have that. Uh, went on to talk about Barcelona and Real Madrid and Bayern Munich, and it just struck me as remarkably defeatist and not the kind of attitude that's going to spur on, on his players to greatness um, at all. Really, really, really odd. You keep it to yourself, that kind of thing, and you work your way in the transfer market to fix it if you think that's the problem. Uh, I kind of thought maybe that was a message to the Glazers, but, you know, we'll see. Uh, and then there was the, the the interview before the Liverpool game where he said that uh, it, it wasn't about United's quality that won the title last season. It's because other teams were poor. And that's the verbatim quote. And uh, I think I thought that was astonishing, to be honest. And it just it gives the sense that Moyes isn't quite in control of himself. And, uh, and to go alongside Ferguson effectively anointing him and this thing around him being the chosen one it makes it feel as if he's he's not really got a hold of himself in the role yet he's not fully confident about it and this is coming out in his statements in the press and I think it's pretty worrying because one of the things um, that you get from that is that you will lose respect of the players you're managing right for sure being defeatist in that manner it's just a little bit Roy Hodgson even worse it's just a little bit Rafa Benitez as well and I don't think any of those two things are becoming of a Manchester United manager interesting piece in the Daily Telegraph while we're talking about the written world here I'm not normally a massive fan of Henry Winter because uh, his writing style is uh, on the pompous side but he is entertaining he made exactly this point he said Moyes hasn't grown into the job yet and he needs to start being himself and he needs to start being the leader that he was at Everton I think people could respect that so he changed all the coaching staff Uh, I wonder whether you know he needs to think about making some radical changes in the team as well If, if, if he wants to go all the way and he doesn't believe United have got the players to to win the Champions League this season, then you might as well start the transition quite early uh, and uh, start thinking about the players he really wants, but start introducing some of the younger players. I get the feeling that he's stuck in a halfway house at the moment. It's not going to do him well in the long run. No, absolutely. And I I think that's quite an astute point, actually. You know, the changes in the backroom staff were obviously a bit cataclysmic. Those are big changes. I'm sure that's having some effect on the players. Uh, we'll come on to, we must not forget to come on to too many tacos gate later in the show, talking of staff changes. First of all, I think the five or six world-class players comment is nonsense and it's a completely facetious comment. Chelsea won the Champions League two years ago. It's a knockout competition. Quite often the best team in Europe wins it, but very often also they don't. So it's facetious in that regard. I think there's definitely an argument that United have got five or six world-class players in the squad too. Yeah, absolutely. I've thought about this quite a lot. Name them, and and uh, this might be contentious, but this is this is just what I think. 
I think that David De Gea, I wouldn't swap for anyone, basically. I know he's not the completely finished article quite yet, but it's not far off. And exactly the same for Raphael. I also wouldn't swap him for anyone. And also there's a little bit of polish left to be applied, but he's getting very, very close. I think Nemanja Vidic is obviously a world-class centre-half. I think that to decide on the basis of the last two months that Rio has completely lost that status is probably a bit quick. The, The season will decide. I think last season which is not that long ago, you would definitely see Rio is in that category. I mean, he might be on his way out of it pretty fast, but then again, he might come good. I don't know how anyone could say that Patrice Evra is not a world-class left-back, but a lot of people do. So it's bizarre to me. So to me, that entire first choice back five, although you don't play Rio and Vidic together, you've got options there which are in the world-class category. I think that Carrick is just, just short of that level because of what happens when he's you know, under physical pressure. But I think his use of the ball is up there, you know, all that stuff about Carrick. Um, and then Rooney and Van Persie, that's just not even a question, is it? You've also got a supporting cast of a very high calibre in some of the creative positions in terms of their level of talent, but I don't think any of the rest of them are in that category. So that's what, how many did I say? Five, six? About eight, I think. <laughs> so so here's an alternate view. I think United have one and a half world-class <laughs> players. Okay. And, and the one is Robin Van Persie, and he's only just in that. And, and maybe it's how we categorize what a world class is but i think it's the elite of the elite you know and and it's a it's a it's a term thrown around but if we talk about the very best of the best in in world football robin van persie's in there because of his ability to finish and that's really it because the re- the rest of his game isn't up there with the very best in terms of his ability to dribble or you know beat players or any of that but he's a, a world class finisher in every sense uh, Wayne Rooney is the a half because uh, he's certainly got the talent to be in the very elite. Doesn't always apply. Maybe we'll get that from him this season. But, you know, he's always been a slightly inconsistent player. Goes in bursts, doesn't he? And the rest, I think there are too many questions. David De Gea is not there yet. He had a very poor game against Manchester City. I think he'll grow there. I think he's got absolutely everything. I mean, he actually had a fine game against Shakhtar. And and, and the rest, uh, Fernand's you know he's he's over the hill i mean his uh, his pace is gone he he's not in that category uh, anymore and, and same with vidic he's having to defend so he's a world class defender but the rest of his game is is not in the in the same uh, class and 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 Evra and Raphael's defensive qualities are not good enough to put them in the, the very top bracket and i hope Raphael gets there Evra never will but he's he's an absolutely outstanding all-round attacking left back and Carrick and Carrick I'm afraid just goes missing in the very biggest games you know the very very biggest games He's been Rant's player of the season twice in a row, I think, and, and he, absolutely fantastic for the last two years, you know. That's not to say, take anything away from Carrick, but is he in the same class as the very best, like Iniesta and Javi and, and those that lot in, in central midfield? No, he's not. So this is the alternate view that United have about one and a half rather than seven, and that's probably what David Moyes is seeing, you know. And if you went man for man comparing United to Bayern Munich and Barca and Real Madrid, I don't think you'd put them that close. I think the truth, as always, probably lies somewhere in between. I completely agree with you about Carrick, although didn't Rant's player of the season go to Robin Van Persie last season? And if it didn't, shouldn't we rejigger that so Robin Van Persie gets it? 
because he was obviously player of the season at United last season. Yeah, I, I may have made a mistake <laughs> yeah. there, yes. Um, uh, I, I kind of disagree about Raphael and Evra because the role they play is that of attacking fullbacks and they do that as well as anyone. And especially Raphael, the defensive side is like way better. And I, I don't know who's better than De Gea really, to be honest, at the moment. I, right now, today, here and now. Mm. I, I don't well, think probably it's... Manuel Neuer is, is the one you'd say, you know. And, and the other greats of European goalkeeper are, are on their way down. Buffon definitely on his way down. Casillas has hit rock bottom hasn't he you know can't get a game for love and definitely not money at the moment so look um, De Gea is 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 right up there and he's he's getting better all the time and uh, I do hope the United don't have a defensive mayor this season it knocks his confidence you know and uh, uh, of course the other way of looking at that is if he does have a very good season he's almost certainly going to join Barcelona next summer (laughs) no oh should we come on to Taco Gate Ed yes Um, Eric Eric Steele who's joined Derby uh, Steve's Derby uh, this week and good for him I'm glad he got a job I'm not sure Derby's really fitting of his status but a fantastic interview with Eric Steele where he uh, accused David De Gea among other things of eating too many tacos Uh, yeah he said he had a real difficulty settling and that his attitude was a bit off early on which is really interesting and kind of explains some of Fergie's more outrageous dropping of De Gea you know that it was maybe partly a reflection of attitude rather than just performance because that then does kind of make sense and you could definitely argue that even though at the time I didn't understand what was going on I think I remember saying on this very podcast I'm sure there must be something going on here that we can't see I kind of hoped that that was the case and it does seem that what was going on was he was having too many kips and eating too many tacos and spending too much time with his mummy and daddy because Eric Steele got him to move out of his parents' house. There have been people saying that actually, as a goalkeeping coach, you have a kind of privileged relationship with your players. So to reveal that much about them is maybe a little bit out of order. And I do wonder if it's a little bit of bitterness on Steele's part, having been released, having done such a fantastic job, because it it did feel like of all the summer changes in uh, coaching staff that was the oddest well yes he also said some positive things about David De Gea he said he's a man with more focus than he's he's ever seen any other young player and playing in front of 76,000 fans didn't bother him one little bit you know it's ice cold Dave and all that and, and in fact we saw that when he was at Atletico thrown into the team in you know difficult circumstances with two other goalkeepers injured and thrown in some very big games in the Europa League uh, and just looked the coolest man on the pitch and I, mean, I remember that run when Atletico won the Europa League thinking my god this kid's Edwin van der Sar he's 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 you know 18 going on 38 who's that call and you can see that but I'm quite sure he found it very very difficult uh, joining United he he was away from his family or his girlfriend away from home a, a teenager um, you know thrust into a huge spotlight with bad headlines and pressure and fans having to go at him and uh, you know he, he probably did go off the rails a little bit I think it's pretty understandable but the fact that he's pulled it round still didn't say he's still doing that did he you know he said it was when he first joined and uh, the fact that he pulled it round showed that the he is a professional and and as you say on the on the way to being you know if not quite world class yet close to it yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, and and you could see the affection shared between Steele and De Gea. I mean, I remember we've we talked about that on on the show several times. You could you could see there was real love between the two of them, and you could see how proud Steele was of De Gea's improvements when he became, let's at least agree, the best goalkeeper in England. Yeah, well, as voted by the PFA members. Yeah, I made a facetious comment about him 
joining Barcelona it's just quite possible I have to say I'd, I'd put some heavy odds on it because uh, Victor Valdez as we know is leaving uh, Pepe Reina was shipped out to Napoli so um, I think yeah I think they'll probably go for a Spanish goalkeeper Barcelona and, and De Gea would be the obvious choice he's not going to join Real Madrid is he a, a point that Eric Steele made quite uh, forcibly there so it, it's likely to happen I'd say it's, it's just one of those things like Moyes Moyes like letting Kagawa go to seed and then selling him the idea of De Gea leaving us is like <laughs> a genuinely slightly unreasonable emotional response to that where I'm just like la 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 don't want to hear it don't want to hear it don't want to hear it you know of course it makes it makes a lot of sense but I just really hope that when he is 38 going on 18 he's still United goalkeeper yes well we'll see we'll see um, you wouldn't really put him at fault for any of the goals that West Brom scored particularly you'd put a lot of other players at fault uh, the five or six players that didn't manage to get a tackle in for West Brom's first goal and and the players who didn't manage to get the ball away for West Brom's second fine fine goals though weren't they from the the baggies and uh, quite amazing that the, uh, the the winner as it turned out for the baggies was scored by a kid who is earning uh, about uh, 100th of Wayne Rooney's wage 850 quid a week the lads on um, which is not bad like, I would definitely take 850 quid a week but it's all relative isn't it beautiful goals both of them but not if you invested in Manchester United defending well because it was just a complete shambles and really the the players need to look at themselves a bit in that game you know we've, we talked a lot about Moyes' failings but he was also really really badly let down by the playing staff in that game the team that he put out whilst a pretty eccentric one should have had enough in it to do a better job than they did although I do think the change at half time was just almost inexplicable because it's not like Shinji was having a bad game right? Well no he wasn't I mean I think he was struggling to impose himself on the game but it's not that surprising that he was struggling to impose himself on the game when you think about putting a playmaker on the left wing there's very few that managed to make a career of that Zidane is the obvious one but I don't think anyone's saying that Shinji is in Zidane's class just yet Uh, almost certainly never will be but um, just not going to get the best out of him and and yeah so it it was a slight odd substitution the other change to bring Fellaini on after you know what just over an hour or so for Anderson wasn't a surprise Anderson had a stinker and then of course Van Persie came on after an hour for Hernandez when United were, were trying to make something of the game didn't work though did it because the winner came you know five minutes later or something no and I think it's too early to judge Fellaini's United career but West Brom game City game Shakhtar game none, none of those good for old fellas no um, nice uh, nice turn uh, and low cross to set up United's goal against Shakhtar well he crossed it to exactly where the defender was and the defender then knocked it on to uh, Welbeck so yeah, well yeah okay no but we'll, we'll we'll give him some credit you know right. we'll give him some credit for for controlling the ball and turning and getting past the defender to get the crossing i think that i think that was all right you know in those offensive positions he's uh, he, he's done well you know uh, look at the goals he scored against united a couple of seasons ago you know that was Fellaini actually working well in the box i, I think it's the rest of his game that really worries me i mean he's so, so safe with his passing now he's obviously been listening to the rank cast when I accused him of giving the ball away 25% of the time because historically that's what he does you know he's not doing that at the moment because he's been very very safe with it and he doesn't make a tackle he doesn't get in the right defensive positions his passing is safe 
uh, and nothing more than that. Uh, he's slow, isn't he? Slow. <laughs> there was a there was, uh, and he costs way too much. But apart from that, he's a great player. There was hashtag things that are faster than Marin Fellaini on Twitter today, and there were some very good ones at Big Red underscore M saying his internet connection. Someone else putting out pointing out the Grand Theft Auto online servers were quicker. I, I went with uh, David Moyes bringing Shinji Kagawa on for Marin Fellaini. Hashtag things that are faster than Marin Fellaini. Yeah, he was slow. I mean. He he was very involved in play. He is. He, he wants the ball a lot and he actually gets into good passing positions, right? So two things I like about him. He's always available because he's getting into the right positions to receive the ball. And he, he does make things happen in the box when he gets there. I mean, he's not playing in that kind of position at the moment. The rest of it, I have to say, I'm not impressed got to admit it i really want him to do well i wasn't impressed with him when he played at everton so of course you know i maybe i've got some blinkers on here but um i'm waiting for it to happen i'm waiting for 27 and a half million pounds worth of talent to come out he did not give the ball away a lot in in that game but nor did he make particularly effective use of the ball and i think most telling was his the paucity of his defensive contributions actually you know he was just breezed past time and time again and people talk about his physical presence and I really think what they're talking about is his physical presence when the ball's in the air and that really is effective you know he does change the game when you you know when there's a hoof ball either way it's good for United to have uh, Fellaini in the side um, it's just there's, there's a few more hoof balls than we'd all like to see in, in going up United's end uh, when he's in the side but yeah, a worrying sign so far, but very early days, no preseason with the players, doesn't know any of the players yet, must be intimidated a little bit by the, the size of his own transfer fee, which is obviously not his fault, and the, the task of coming and being a Manchester United player, so definitely prepared to cut him some slack and hope that he develops into, into more impressive performances in the future. Like Much like the man that brought him, frankly. Yeah, uh, one successful tackle all game against Shakhtar. Uh, which is, you know, says a lot and, uh, and and gave the ball away one, two, three, four, five, six, seven times um, in, in, you know, 40-odd passes. So, you know, look, it's uh, it's an OK, it's an OK performance, but nothing more than that, just on the basis of statistics. But I think one it was five less... aerial jewels. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's what he's about. <laughs> yeah, it was less than an OK performance, uh, actually, in real life. Uh, so the Shakhtar game then, um, I don't know. It definitely we didn't lose in Shakhtar away and I think I thought we were going to I predicted 1-1 on the rank cast uh, last time first English club to get a yeah. point not, not bad I mean the, I the, the thing is uh, no I think Fulham got a point in the UEFA Cup um so ah. we, we, we're now up there with Roy Hodgson's Fulham just like our performances look like <laughs> Roy Hodgson's teams um but no the the uh, we both predicted i think what one one on the on the podcast last week but my prediction was kind of revised by the depression that set in following the west brom game football depression not real life depression um and i really thought that we were on on a pretty serious hiding to a, a potentially embarrassing result but actually the very very conservative selection and more than selection the thoroughly thoroughly conservative tactics during the game you know it was a conservative strategy and then conservative tactics right both it was a strategy of control you know they will not pass which of course Ferguson has adopted too in recent years so we can't say that Moyes is the only man uh, Manchester United manager to do this uh, but it, it was containment there's three in midfield Danny Welbeck sort of behind Robin Van Persie and, and uh, Antonio Valencia out on the right he gave it a kind of lopsided performance but 
In reality, all it really meant was that as United lost the ball, there were five players across midfield to fully protect the back four and and United were about not losing. And that looked okay in the first half, actually. You know, United kept the ball okay, kept the shape very, very well uh, and looked to, you know, on a very rare occasion, try and break. It just wasn't enough. And I think that kind of conservatism will, you know, not work out in the end. You know, look at at the best sides in Europe. It's very, very rare that purely defensive sides sides win the Champions League these days. Chelsea did it uh, and it was a miracle, wasn't it? Yeah, literally. I mean, not literally. <laughs> That's kind of the wrong word. It was so extravagantly fortunate that Chelsea won that, that tournament because... Yeah, the, the rest of the winners recently, Bayern Munich, fantastic attacking side, especially on the break. You know, Barcelona a few times, you know what they're all about. You win your when you're bold in, in this tournament because it's a cup tournament, you know, and a few sides now and again have managed to pull off a, pull off winning it in a negative fashion. That's the only way that United can win it this season, you know, not offensively. Uh, and, and I don't think Moyes is brave enough to do that. Um, interesting uh, I talked about Ferguson uh, coming out of the media this week he gave some interviews to public radio in the States and Sirius XM his uh, favourite station he said one thing he always told his players was in the last 15 minutes throw the kitchen sink I don't think David Moyes is telling his players that not when after 89 minutes he's substituting your striker for a defender you know, I was thinking about Fergie and I was thinking about what you said last week and what we all know that he's got increasingly conservative in Europe. He had got increasingly conservative in Europe. But I was also thinking in that last 10 minutes, I think Fergie would have been a bit more bold because I do think that they were there for the taking on the counter um, and that you could have you could have added significantly to the counter-attacking without suffering at all defensively. If you put Kagawa on instead of Giggs for Fellaini, you're not losing anything defensively. You're not losing anything in terms of ball retention. It's Ryan Giggs. You know, he came on, fell over, gave the ball away. You know, he really had a, a bit of a mare. And actually, I think you, you bring Kagawa on to play properly numbers. It's never going to happen. Just got to drop it. Just got to pretend we don't have him in the squad because it's just upsetting to otherwise. But yeah, that, that last 10 minutes, after, especially after they scored, you know, United were just desperately clinging on, weren't they? Well, for most of the second half, to be honest. I mean, it was a very, very negative strategy. I'm not going to make a statistical argument, but one shot on target in the entire game, and that was Welbeck's shot. You know, you wonder if the defender hadn't made a complete hash of that, whether United would have got a shot on target at all. And this is Shakhtar. They're a middling side in Europe. OK, they've got a good home record, and a few years back they did make the quarterfinals. But they lost two of their very best players in the summer for big, big money. They've tried to integrate some new players. Bernard was a, a big purchase over the summer, came on as a late substitute. They've got a ton of Brazilians, of course, you know, it's kind of their strategy at the moment. They are not no, one of well, Europe's top sides. Just because it's a long flight away doesn't mean no, they're but, one of Europe's top sides. No, but if you look at their record there, they they do have a fairly exceptional record at, at home in Europe, don't they? You know, that is a very tricky fixture. It really is. because you. D- yeah, but, but our approach to it was to be extremely negative. Yeah, of course. You know, 42% of course. possession, one shot at goal. No, I mean, it was miserable. It was miserable, especially the second half, because the first half, it was like, oh, this is kind of enjoyable, functional defending, and we got the goal, and it all looked, you know, it looked all right. It looked like they didn't really actually worry us too much in that first half, but something did need to change in the first half, in the second half. We needed to try and impose ourselves on that game a little bit more, and we just either didn't have the resources or the tactics or the playing style to do it 
the beginning of the season is, I think, at the lower end of what any of us would have expected, right? This is the kind of playing out in the kind of, so far, somewhat approaching the worst case scenario, really, of Moyes comes in, players stop looking like they know what they're doing, the tactics go to kind of really functional defensive football, loads more long balls than we were getting, players' body language looking a bit rough, Wayne Rooney being made captain, <laughs> you know, they, these are all the things, because yeah, captain in the League Cup side, didn't even mention that about the West Brom game, retained the armband, so like, it's all very well to give him the captaincy against Liverpool in the League Cup, but at Old Trafford, in a league game, Wayne Rooney as captain, then Man United.com banging on about Bobby Charlton saying he's the type of player all fans would want. <laughs> Sorry, Sir Bobby, he absolutely is not the type of player that all fans would want because we'd all want players that want to be at the club. Yeah, so Bobby's telling the party line there, right? I mean, it does come to something when uh, the sycophancy about uh, Wayne Rooney has to go right to the top. Yeah, I mean, is he our saviour? God help us. It's beginning to sound very negative, but and, and I really don't want it to be like that, but it's been a tough start. It's been a really tough start. United are not getting good results, and they're playing pretty bad football as well. You know, and that's just, I'm afraid that's just an observation. Now, maybe in time, uh, Moyes will find his... Um, own confidence and he'll find the confidence to play more expansive football maybe he'll learn about what the United job's all about that's what Gary Neville said would happen he said that uh, you know the job would manage him rather than him managing the job and it's not happened so far you know I feel like we're maybe we're only getting 50% of Moyes because it's you know he's he's not quite a rabbit in the headlights but he's not far off it is he and um, I hope there's much more to come from him and and United will end up playing creative attacking football one day I don't have a lot of confidence in that just because of you know history history tells me this is how David Moyes sides play Right, you know, Everton's super, super functional, quite physical, sometimes direct, very direct, um, and he managed to get the best out of players because of that. Um, it's a whole other challenge for Moyes now, and and at the moment he's struggling a little bit. But you know, we're we're less than a third away through the season, so plenty of time for him to turn it around. But it doesn't look good right now. No, um, at Paul Gurning one uh, wrote a really lovely piece on uh, his his blog, um, which is excellent actually. Uh, we're following him on Twitter, um, and he wrote a really nice piece about comparing David Moyes' start to De Gea's start actually, and uh, this, you know, and and I think it there was some we mentioned. De Gea's early time at United earlier today and there were some real nice parallels in that of a a player a guy that looks like he's got a rabbit in the headlights vibe and has lost the best of himself but you know hopefully in time he'll, he'll get some of that back and you know even if his tendencies are a bit conservative hopefully if that does translate into a more functional version of that rather than the kind of dysfunctional conservatism that we've got in the moment that won't be quite so bad so long as he does incorporate a bit of attacking play into the sides which he did at Everton you know they weren't dreadful to watch all the time Everton they were just dreadful to watch mostly whenever they played anyone good and that's what we've got to hope doesn't happen forever at United right yes yeah I mean but when you're going away to a middling European side and you're playing like that you know, it's it's not that ambitious, is it? No, it's not. But it's just, it's just, it is just very early days. You know, it is very bad so far. That's the truth of it. It's awful so far. But this is the emphasis on that. It needs to go on the so far because, you know, it's a difficult job that he's trying to do. And he's doing a, a poor job of it in the press, on the pitch, presumably in the training ground, because that's what then translates a bit to on the pitch but hopefully that won't be the case for you know the rest of the season and by Christmas he'll have pulled it together we've 
where we talked last week about having a more favourable run of fixtures, but we started that somewhat catastrophically. But you would think it cannot continue to be this bad, wouldn't you? Yeah, you'd have to hope. You'd have to hope that it won't be. There, there's some things that you need to know about David Moyes. He, he, his sides do play in a certain way, and he has a defence-first mentality, and that, that's the kind of most worrying piece, you know, when United's defending as an entire unit, not just individual players is falling apart you've got to wonder whether Moyes is getting his message across at all and and the fact that there seemed such a lackluster performance from some of the players and we talked about that against City as well you know really worries me really really worries me that the players aren't performing for him you know but hey these are observations in the here and now Uh, it doesn't mean like it'll be this way um, forever Uh, this is certainly not an observation about United's empire crumbling or anything like that Alan Hansen wrote a piece for the Telegraph this week saying um, United mirrored Liverpool in the early 90s Uh, it's a bit too early to say that you know bit bit too early but the January transfer window will be key and uh, interesting that uh, Ed Woodward has been briefing the press this week, uh, as he is wont to do. Uh, he loves a little lunch with the uh, members of the Fourth Estate, doesn't he? And and <laughs> and been putting about a bit that United will be spending a uh, hundred million pounds oh, or more. We've heard this one before, haven't <laughs> we, Paul? When that started, it's like immediately in the aftermath of the West Brom game. Ah, oh, uh, it's all fine. We'll spend a hundred million in January, honest. Um, a piece of the Times, I think, on Monday, saying that. that sorry, I try and retain a straight face while I say this. Manchester United are monitoring. Andreas <laughs> nope I can't <laughs> literally literally can't get through with a straight face monitoring Andres Iniesta's situation <laughs> <at Bus. laughs> so Paul's lost the run of himself I'll finish that yeah peace and time saying United are monitoring Andres Iniesta's situation he hasn't signed a new contract there's also the piece in the times that you didn't quite spot which said that uh, Ed and Paul from the rank cast will also be taking over at United and uh, it'll be a double act like Sillit and whatever his name was for Coventry City back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is that was the hardest I've laughed all week when I heard that, just because it's the Fabregas situation, only like a hundred times more insane, you know. Like, oh, they're monitoring the situation with Iniesta at Barcelona. Oh, have we finished monitoring? Oh yeah, it turns out Andres Iniesta's staying at Barcelona. Oh, what a shocking outcome that was. Good job you were monitoring it hey look uh, there's there's a job lot of tacos going and uh, and edward was about to offer them for Lionel Messi. <laughs> yeah absolutely i am not prepared to start talking about the january transfer window yet in earnest because i have not got over the august transfer window yet i need a couple of months it's like you know it's like stuff being out in christmas for christmas already in shops right you could buy christmas puddings in asda at the moment and this is the same thing we should not be talking about the january transfer window until the latter half of december at the earliest you, you shopping asda i thought you're a waitrose man myself most certainly not no i'm, I'm often found uh, as the queslet all right uh, things that are very exciting on the other hand uh, we have an awesome competition prize to give away two hats from at rosso bianco 1878 uh, rosso bianco nero fantastic uh, hats to to give away and we got loads and loads of entries and lots of them were brilliant so i can only apologize to those of you who didn't win honorable mentions uh, to at craig english 92 who says he would like to meet rvp in a hat because I heard he can do a mean hat trick. Good. I like an extremely blunt pun. Oh, not really a pun. It's just a joke. Wordplay. At Matt Lewis 6 says, I'd like to see Bootner in a Kangol flat cap because whilst he's good fun to have around, you'd worry if he was your only option. Very good point. Uh, well made. Um, at Liz Worsley with the honourable mention.
mention Phil Jones in an Indiana Jones hat complete with whip to see him gurn as he swings across Old Trafford's pitch. Yeah, that would be a beautiful sight to behold. This one is uh, terribly wrong uh, and and gets an honourable mention because it's too violent for it to win the prize. Uh, But at DJT68 says, I'd like to meet Vidic wearing Ashley Young's head as a hat. Um, Nice, I didn't spot that one. (laughs) I like that. Can we change our winners, please? (laughs) No, no violence allowed on the rank cast. The two winners, at Nasha underscore Hassan, says he'd like to meet Fellaini in a Fellaini wig. I know it's not exactly a hat, but it's still a great idea. You're right, it is a great idea. I too would like to see that. At Dom McDowell also winning the other hat that that we have to give away. I'd like to see Wayne Rooney in a Bobby Charlton style comb over hat. That way I might trick myself into loving him again. I think we'd all like that to happen. Very good. Well, if you didn't win, go and buy a... Rosso Bianca Nero hat, if you can, because I, I tried several times to buy one. I couldn't, but uh, it looks like they are available now and uh, genuine limited edition. I do think they do some nice stuff and they haven't paid me to say that either. Except in hats, we should well, say. Well, that's it. I've got a job lot. I'm going to be swimming in hats. I will be bathing in hats. <laughs> Um, all right, so talking of prize winners, uh, the 11 people that look like they've won a competition to play for Manchester United uh, on uh, Saturday evening against Sunderland at Old Trafford, right? So the competition's on Saturday evening. This is Britain's Got Footballers. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, that's what the United First Eleven resembles at the moment. The chat with that silly wig on won the prize, didn't he? <laughs> And will Marrow and Fellaini play against Sunderland? He probably will, actually, because I, th- I think Moyes will want to integrate him. And can United get three points against managerless Sunderland? Got to. It's away. I, I do apologise. It's under the lights at the Stadium of Light. It, it is. It's an evening game at the Stadium of Light. And not going there to try and win a title this time, thankfully. Uh, we ought to be going there to uh, spank managerless Sunderland silly, shouldn't we? Managerless Sunderland is definitely a more fearsome opposition than Paolo Di Canio managed Sunderland. A team which has been significantly improved. Talk about a manager uh, making a difference to a side. When you get rid of him and they look like, actually, wait a minute, they're all quite good at football again. You know, Moyes' start's been a bit, a bit ropey and the way he's handled the PR has not exactly been ideal and perhaps has had something of a knock-on effect on the players, but that's nothing compared to the absolute horror show that was Paolo Di Canio's reign at Sunderland. I've never been more convinced that a manager should be given the sack instantly as I was with Di Canio. Yeah, he should have been given the sack at the end of the season. He was brought in as an impact manager. He, he did his job, Sunderland stayed up and then they should have got rid of him. I mean, he's a, he's a nut job, right? Crazy, lunatic, uh, you know, lost the plot, space cowboy, and uh, no place in the Premier League at all. That and he's a fascist, of course. Yeah, it doesn't help, does it? Um, I mean, you know, I've long argued that there's a link between mental illness and extreme right-wing politics. Um, I think Decanio is a fine example of that. Uh, just uh, just thoroughly depressing for, for all concerned. And, and of course, uh, John O'Shea. We don't like to see, imagine that John O'Shea's been suffering under the cruel hand of Di Canio, do we? He's one of the few players that managed to keep his job uh, under Di Canio. Oh, he's a good honest pro, isn't he, O'Shea? He's not playing very well, but he's a good honest pro. He's never played very well. He had one good season in his whole career. Yeah, yeah. No. I, know, I, know that's, I know that's travesty. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm sorry to a load of specific people. You all know who you are. But John O'Shea, you know, he was never good enough for United, except for that one season. But we love him, right? He's a, he's, he's a lovable utility player. Yeah, he is. And, and, you know, he said, look, for a player with limited talent, he's a fa- had a fantastic career, you know? Mm. Ten years at the very top with you. 
United. He, he's going to stretch his Premier League career out well into you know a, a second decade, isn't he? And for someone who's not the most talented player, he's done very very well for himself. So you know you can't begrudge him any of that, I guess. Nope. He's he's one of the most decorated footballers of all time, John O'Shea. Yeah. You know, in terms of terms of stuff he's won. It's quite a thought, though, really, when you think about it, isn't it? It, it is quite a thought, yeah. Well, there you go. If your life's, you know, not going so well at the moment, just think of John O'Shea. Coining it in for being mediocre. Which, uh, much like uh, most of the United squad at the moment, I suppose, you know. No, I, I kid uh, you not. It's all of the United squad. <laughs> Sunderland squad, it's difficult to know where they stand, really, because obviously De Canio made wholesale changes in conjunction with the director of football. Loads and loads of new players in, and they just really, really struggled terribly to play underneath him, which is not really a surprise since the first sign of any mistakes would have him looking for Jeff Shreves to slate you for 20 minutes. That's not happening now. Kevin Ball in charge on an interim basis, and they've definitely got players that can do damage. There's no easy games in the Premier League, especially now, (laughs) We've stopped being any good. This will be more of a test than it would have been this time last season, let's say. Well, it's a test because United aren't playing very well and, and uh, Sunderland have had a, a short-term boost, but they're not a very good side, right? So let's let's not kid ourselves that they're suddenly going to challenge for anything other than you know 19th place or 17th place, whatever it is. Nineteenth no, place, they might they might struggle to get there at the moment, but United should go out there and turn them over. But but confidence is clearly short and I think it'll be interesting to see Moise's tactics you know Rooney I suspect will be back uh, and Rooney and Van Persie will play together but does he set up the rest of the team to be quite cautious so is it Carrick and Fellaini uh, who does he play in the wide positions that's a that's a really interesting one or does he go for it and, and play some attacking players does Zahar and Nani start rather than Young and Giggs no, Zahar does not start. Did you see what happened this week with Zahar? What presumably started as a joke that Zahar was not playing in the side because he had, let's just say, made very good friends with David Moyes' daughter. I assume that somebody just started that as a joke, but it got to the point where it was being taken seriously as like a serious rumour. And then uh, Wilf put a stop to all that by tweeting silly rumours, hashtag childish. Yes, didn't deny it though, did he? (laughs) I thought of you when he did it. I thought of you. I thought Ed's going to say that's not a denial. Yeah. (laughs) Naughty, naughty boy. Last time, a a member of the uh, United staff fraternised with someone he shouldn't. The manager got sacked. Wow, that was a, that's a gap in my Manchester United folklore now. I didn't, didn't realise that's why the doc had lost his job. Presumably that's not happening, being as it's a silly rumour, hashtag childish. Uh, I don't think we're going to see Zahar. It's interesting because he played a lot in pre-season and he looked good and it did look like he might be at least on the fringes, but he's not even on the fringes of the squad, is he? No, Moises said a few times he's waiting for him to develop, so I wonder what's going on there. Maybe he's not quite settled in at the club properly and there, there, were, there was a lot of talk about as soon as he signed his contract with United, he turned up at the Crystal Palace training ground in a Mercedes the next day. You know, maybe his attitude isn't quite right. Roy Keane would not have liked that. Roy Keane would certainly not have liked that. Maybe that's it. United are lacking a Roy Keane in the squad at the moment. <laughs> and have been for however long it is since Roy Keane left. Yeah, eight years. <laughs> yeah. How many was he replaceable, to be fair? So the fact that it's taken us eight years and we still haven't replaced him is not particularly surprising. No, it's not. And uh, we haven't been replaced as podcast pundits either. You know, amazing uh, that this has not happened. But we are still doing it. 164 shows in. It's ridiculous. We've got to stop eventually. And and one of our traditions is to predict the score at the weekend. Yeah. Um. I don't know. 
I can't predict a Sunderland win over United. That's just... Is that what it's come to? Is that I've been disheartened to the... No, no. We're going to turn it around. We're going to scrape a 2-1. There's confidence for you. Yeah, I think United will win comfortably. I mean, Sunderland pretty rubbish. So I'm going to go for a 3-0 United win. Tiki-taka expansive football all the way. Wow. Do you, are you sure that you know you're talking about Manchester United, right? Yes, yes. Okay. 3-0 United win. I think Fellaini will score because I, I think... Uh, I think, you know, the old hoofball will work up at the Stadium of Light. Yeah, good. All right, excellent. I think you might be right. I'm also going to predict that in the further traditions of the rank cast, it won't be a podcast next week because of the stupid international break, but we'll be back before the Southampton game to look back on the stupid international break and uh, preview the week's fixtures after that. And let's hope that things are looking a bit rosier then as well they might because it's not all doom and gloom yet it's only football and it's this early days it's all gonna turn around it'll all be fine no it won't doom